Welcome back to another episode of Growth Marketers Podcast. I'm Samuel Timothy. And I'm Taylor Rowe. Uh, This is another installment of our best-in-class series where we dive into the key characteristics of best-in-class organizations from a marketing and sales perspective. Uh, So if you didn't listen to last week's episode uh, around the mindset of these types of organizations, uh, I think it's a good place to start. Uh, But if not, uh, it's fine. You can can dive right in. Today, we're talking about marketing specifically and what best-in-class organizations are doing from a marketing standpoint. Please give us a like, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening, share it with a friend or a colleague. Let's dive right in. So Taylor, I know we're in a series uh, called The Best in Class Companies, um, and we've if you haven't already heard our previous episode, please go listen to uh, the first episode where we talked a little bit about the mindset and, and approach uh, the best in class companies follow, and uh, we're in that in that same series. Uh, today we're talking about marketing. Um, so Taylor, do you want to take it away in terms of talking about how uh, how the best in class companies, um, especially the high performing best in class companies, what do they do from a marketing standpoint? Sure. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously a lot of characteristics that you know lead a company to be uh, you know included in what we call best in class. So we're going to break it down um, kind of by the marketing department and look at. Things like the team structure, the strategy, uh, what they're looking at in terms of reporting, what their tech stack looks like. You know, what are these organizations doing internally and externally from a marketing perspective that makes them so successful? So let's start with the team structure because at the end of the day, you know, we're only as good as our, our employees and our team uh, when it comes down to creating the strategy and, of course, executing. Uh, it's making sure that we have the right team. Uh, and one important note that I want to make sure that we acknowledge is you know, for us, it's less about the titles, right? Um, you know, when you look at hiring and building out your marketing team, it's less about the actual titles and more about the actual function uh, that that person holds or that that, you know, position entails. So we've done previous episodes around, you know, building your marketing team and what makes a successful marketing team. Uh, but there's a few main components, uh, you know, four main components that we believe every successful best-in-class marketing organization holds. So the first one is the, the visionary, that, that leader. Um, typically, if we do want to look at titles, it's uh, the actual you know, CMO, right, or the VP of marketing. That visionary is the, the idea person. Uh, second would be somebody that is, is technically adept at uh, implementing, right? So, uh, and this is just you know, one function, right? So you could say technical implementer could be a you know, marketing automation specialist, it could be a developer, it could be a designer, it could be a technical writer, right? So uh, you have that, that visionary that kind of leads that strategy and, and looks at big picture. And then the next person is, you know, you need somebody technically sound to actually implement uh, in each of those areas. And a lot of times when we see marketing organizations being built uh, from the ground up, uh, one of those first hires outside of that CMO is, you know, they call it a marketing specialist or marketing, you know, really what it is, marketing marketing generalist, right? Where they look for somebody who's a jack of all trades, who can do design and copywriting and has some development experience and knows SEO and can manage paid campaigns. In reality, um, while, you know, you you might need that kind of a Swiss army knife early on to to build your organization because, you know, budgetary concerns, um, but a lot of times the the uh, the salary for that position, the skill set that's required, 
um, you know, don't really align with what you're trying to accomplish, right? We've seen a lot of times where, uh, you know, companies are looking to hire somebody, you know, fresh out of college uh, or one or two years experience that can can handle and juggle all those things. And uh, you really need some, some technical expertise uh, in each of those areas to excel. Again, we're talking about best in class and what does that look like? It doesn't look like one person doing, you know, five or six person job. It looks like hiring specialists to excel at, you know, at, at their specialty. So the next, you know, key piece of that team uh, is what we call the coordinator, right? So we have this big picture visionary leader. Typically, you know, that person or that function uh, is consistently innovating and looking at new ideas and trying to, you know, move forward with the the, the program. But we need somebody who is great at organization, um, uh, great at change management. We need to make sure that we have that project coordinator, that project manager that can ensure things are moving along, that can prioritize, that can focus on the right things to do and say no to the wrong things to do and stay disciplined so that, again, uh, we can continuously move towards uh, perfection. And then, of course, we have uh, you know what we call the enabler, right? Which comes down to somebody in uh, you know a relatively newer term, which is marketing operations, right? And what that means is how does this how does this wheel turn, right? How does this whole engine, how does this system work? Well, you're going to need somebody with marketing operations specialty um, that can build systems, that can you know uh, look at uh, the overall uh, you know. The overall architecture of of all of our technologies, our, our workflows, how things are are progressing, how we operate from a marketing perspective, and try to build efficiencies, right? Build automation where it makes sense. Make sure that we have the right marketing automation technologies in place. Um, you know, make the lives of the marketers easier. Give them more insights into what's happening, uh, and overall, uh, again, be kind of the the grease, if you will, that that helps the wheel turn. So. Uh, to kind of recap that team structure, and then, you know, Sam, I'd love to get your thoughts on that. Uh, the visionary leader, the technical implementer, the coordinator, and then the enabler. Yeah, I think the the best way to describe this would be the difference between a thinker versus doer concept as well, right? Because I think a lot of times, like you said, especially as the marketing department is getting built, uh, they make that first hire, and oftentimes they're kind of the visionary and also the doer. Uh, and then every time they hire someone else, uh, then you you have like this uh, in, indefinite delegation problem, right? You just delegate to one person, that delegates to the next person, uh, and nothing ever gets done because you know you just keep delegating. But if you don't have that specialist uh, breakout, right? Like you said, the the visionary that actually is coming up with all the ideas um, and have the big picture goal, um, and then at the same time you have specialists who can actually own specific components of whatever needs to get done, and then you have someone who's going to make sure that nothing gets um, lost in translation, and this uh, overseeing the entire um, the process and production of it. Last but not least is somebody who can actually make sure that all, the, all of these things can be implemented in an efficient way. So I think the thinker versus doer is probably the easiest way to, uh, to put it. Mm-hmm. As the organization size changes, obviously there's going to be a lot more of these team members needed to be added. So I guess that would be the most... Uh, next logical question, like how many of these people would you need to really build a, you know, yeah. best-in-class marketing department 
And is there some sort of a relation to the company size versus just the overall department size? Yep. Yeah, and that's an important clarification, right? Is that you know, all, while these are four main uh, you know functions within that that marketing department, it's not necessarily saying that you know you only need four people, right? This could just be on your content team, right? We've we've talked about this in the past, but uh, a lot of you know organizations say, well, we need to create more content, so they'll hire one person, right? They'll hire a copywriter or they'll hire um, you know someone to make videos, and, and you don't really realize how many moving parts there are, right? Again, thinkers versus doers. Well, the strategy of what type of content do we want to create in relation to um, our buyer personas and which stage of the buyer's journey they are in? How is that content going to be distributed? Um, what are the goals with this content? How are we measuring success? Those are all kind of the visionary characteristics. And then each of those individual activities requires technical specialists. Well, we need somebody to do keyword research and you know technical optimization or on-page optimization of any written content or written text. That person might not be the same person that is the creative uh, in terms of writing, right? Uh, you know, a content writer, a copywriter, specialist, somebody who's writing that content. Then from there, you might need designers to design pages, or you know, we might need developers to develop new pages on the website, new content on the website. Uh, other specialists include again promoting that content. Are we are we spending money on paid advertisements? Uh, do we have partnerships? Do we have a PR team, a PR department? So there's a lot of different specialists, and then it comes down to again those coordinators and those enablers to make sure that we have the right schedule, that we're getting things done, that we're coordinating interviews with subject matter experts. Um, you know, if we're creating a video, do we have to hire outsource video uh, you know department to come in? Who's editing the video? Uh, from a marketing and automation and marketing operations perspective, again, what what are we doing with these leads as they they come in, or how are we measuring success? How are we reporting on all of these different moving parts and campaigns? Uh, what can we do to again make those lives of those those marketers easier? So that's just one piece of or one tactic, right, in terms of content creation. So you could look at that across your entire department and, and kind of realize there's a lot of different functionalities and, and different specialties that you need. Um, and that's where it comes down to, as you said, you know, what makes sense to do internally versus externally based on both your marketing strategy and, and how frequently you're executing these types of campaigns, as well as uh, your overall, you know, team size, company size, revenue. Um, you know, you need best, you know, I would say best in class companies have a goal or a target in terms of their, their headcount in relation to revenue, right? What does that look like? If we're a ten million dollar company today, and you know we aim to be a, a fifteen million dollar company a year from now, um, how does our marketing team grow and evolve from there? What changes? Uh, and you know, if we're a hundred million dollar company and we want to be a two hundred million dollar company, what changes? You know, from there, so we should have answers for those type of questions in relation to again what we hope to execute, where we need specialists, what makes sense for us to hire internally, what makes sense for us to you know outsource to an agency or contractors. Yeah, I think like how you opened the the segment by saying like it's not about the title, it's about the function. So we're not uh, advocating for the number of he you know headcount based on like all the different tiers that you would have like the you know CMO, the VP, the director, and the manager, and then the actual people who do the job. Right? We're not advocating for any sort of an organization structure at all. We're just talking about from a functional standpoint, who are all the team members that you're going to need to actually execute at a an optimal level, and and also. You know, we're going to get to in, into in, you know get into the strategy in a second, but 
you know, that, that strategy is also going to dictate the type of resources that are going to be needed. So if you're going to be leading with a lot of organic uh, reach, uh, then you're going to need a lot more co- team members that are producing content and promoting content and getting as much visibility and managing the community and engagement on social platforms. So all of those things cannot be just uh, one person's responsibility. They're, there's, they're, going, they're going to come a time you're going to need uh, different team members or specialists that are just really honing in on those areas. Uh, you know, like you said, the the analogy of a Swiss Army knife. It's very hard to find people that are so skilled in content creation and also optimization and also video and also creative. Right. All of those things just not going to happen in one person. So you also need to be somewhat realistic about the skill set of the team internally you have, and also, like you said earlier, the in terms of what you're willing to pay for a specialist if they ha- actually do have. A variety of skills that they can bring to the table as well yeah yeah and and also you know even if you fi- find that person just because they can do all of those things doesn't mean they should right because again it it's still you know how much can you get done how much can you move forward if you're if you're wearing all those hats and you're doing all that that work right if you're doing all those components mm-hmm. and we talk about a lot in other podcasts the the compounding effect of uh, motion when it comes to marketing right meaning uh, the the faster velocity we can get these campaign strategies ads you know whatever it may be in relation to your marketing pumped out the faster we can learn the faster we can improve the faster we can iterate so uh, if you're if you're you know trying to save budget uh, by you know having one person wear multiple hats and that you know from that perspective uh, the opportunity cost could be you know far greater than uh, the cost of you know hiring a couple of extra you know headcount, and I think the same is true for outsourcing to an agency, right? If if you're sitting there thinking, well, yeah, I can't hire all these people internally, so I'm going to find one person and outsource my entire marketing, again, strategy, execution, content creation, you know, reporting, uh, automation, marketing operations, all these type of things, just to one you know agency. You have to look at that as well and say. Is my budget for one, uh, you know, relative to what I'm asking this agency to do? And then, you know, how, what does their team structure look like, right? How do they, how can they accomplish this externally, but I can't accomplish it internally? So the best in class companies that we've seen in terms of that team structure understand all the components that it takes to be successful and account for that, right? It really comes down to that is we're being realistic with what is required and you know what is done in-house versus versus outsourced it looks a little bit different uh, for every company because you know some companies are their strategies are more heavily focused on you know advertisement some are more focused on uh, subject matter experts being that that mouthpiece or that you know voice for the organization so they they need to be in front of the camera they need to be on podcasts or they need to be at speaking engagements right so how do we then scale that person's time and then they build team members around again video creation content creation and um you know coordination pr of of uh, in-person events speaking events uh, podcast hosting all those kind of things so you you just need to understand what you're trying to accomplish and and i think again putting that visionary that leader is the first step uh and then really being realistic with all the components that are necessary to be successful yeah i mean one one thought that just came to my mind like you and i sit here and do this podcast but there's an army of team members that actually have to make things happen right even with having so many team members we are not even able to keep it at a consistent pace to get things published right so we're, we're doing these videos then someone actually goes and uh, edits the full-length version of it 
and then there's another team member that actually makes them into shorts. Uh, then they have to get all these, you know, shared on all the social platforms. Uh, then we have someone actually does the transcripts and then turns it into a blog post and embeds the long form piece there, piece there. Uh, and then all sorts of other things that happens behind the scene to make these things go live. And then obviously a podcast version of it, which is an audio file that gets shared on, you know, Spotify and everywhere else. So there's so many moving parts. This is just one form of content that we're creating and the amount of resources that are needed to actually get this out. Uh, So imagine that you're trying to do this, and especially if you're an organization that has different uh, divisions and if you have different um, product lines and you're trying to target uh, different industries, all of those actually just increases the magnitude of uh, complexity that your marketing team needs to to attain, attain. Sure. Um, okay, perfect. Well, I think we've covered the the team structure. Um, so let's move on to the the next kind of logical piece, which is okay. We have the people in place, and, and how how do we how do we get the right strategy in place? What's the you know people often ask, what's the best channel for for my industry, or what's the right strategy for me? Um, so Sam, what are the the key components that best in class organizations have when it comes to creating and developing that strategy? Yeah, I mean, I think the number one thing is having a documented plan. Uh, oftentimes, I think they have uh, some sort of a big picture idea and they have just random active marketing uh, that they normally go about doing. But I think the overall goal of a marketing strategy is do we have some sort of a documented plan that includes what are we, where are we right now, where are we trying to get to, and what are the measurements that we're going to use to see that we're achieving the goal that we set out to do. Um, so I think the, the strategy is more, a lot more than just a channel. It's more so about... Who's our ideal customer profile? Where do they congregate for information? What sort of a content or asset are, are we going to leverage to reach them wherever they are in their purchase journey? And ultimately, how are, the, how are we going to move them from their uh, the entire customer journey to become a, a buyer, right? Become a customer for our product or service. So having that documented is what I think uh, it matters. You can get all fancy and crazy with it, um, but at the end of the day, it just needs to be somewhere solidified. Everybody agrees on this is exactly what we're trying to, this is a playbook that we're going to use to uh, achieve the goal that we're trying to go after. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, what was it, Ben Franklin, right? The fail the plan, plan is planning to fail, right? And, and I think that's true with, with most things that you do. But when it comes to, you know, marketing and, and digital marketing, um, in specifically digital marketing, uh, we see this a lot because, again, I just talked about, right, the compounding effect of marketing and the importance of, uh, speed to, to market, so to speak, and getting things out quickly. Uh, and sometimes that can, you know, almost be uh, too too much, right? And like you said, a lot of marketing tactics, but no real marketing strategy. So I think there's a lot of value in developing a comprehensive strategy and, you know, really trying to poke holes in it, right? Trying to shoot down your strategy, uh, question every piece of it. Well, you know, if we have goals around traffic numbers or lead generation numbers or affected pipeline that we're, we're trying to create, how are we going to get there, right? Uh, we can't just have goals or numbers uh, for the sake of numbers. And we see that a lot, uh, pressure coming down from leadership into the marketing department. You know, hey, we had X number of leads last month or last quarter or last year, so we need 20% more than that. Well, why what what's happening with those leads what's you know where why are they converting at whatever rate uh what what are we defining as a lead where is the traffic going to come from 
uh, does that make sense based on our cost per impression or cost per click or cost per lead or whatever it may be in the in the past, right? So really, really evaluating and almost questioning everything as you develop the strategy is going to force you to get creative and, and find solutions. And now, of course, everything is a little bit, you know, hypothetical until you start executing. But at the very least, you should have a, you know, you should take a scientific approach in the sense of, here's our plan. Here's what we expect to invest. Here's what uh, we expect in terms of results, almost, you know, kind of our hypothesis, so to speak, of what we think should happen. And measure against that as a benchmark, right? Measure against previously previous results as a benchmark. Um, and then again, question everything in terms of the results. Why is this happening? Why do we think this is happening? Uh, what can we find out about, uh, you know, how to improve these different types of strategies? So every single component of the strategy should be well thought through. Who's executing? What are we expecting? What's the impact of this, or this piece of content, this, you know, part of the strategy? Who are we trying to get in front of? Uh, what should we, what is the value of this piece of content? What are we expecting our our potential customer to do once they read this content or consume this content, how are we expecting them to feel? So all of that should really be be thought out before we even start, you know, spending money or spending energy trying to execute. Yeah, something that we say sometimes internally in our organization is like, you know, no one wakes up every morning and say, hey, I want to buy more SC or I want to buy more PPC. The overarching goal is, hey, how do I increase the number of customers that we have? And then what are all the leading indicators that I need to uh, to measure to know that I'm actually going to achieve that goal. I mean, you know, people always say sales is a numbers game, so is marketing. Uh, if you have the right sort of tactics and you execute it at a certain, you know, frequency, you can expect a certain sort of, sort of an outcome, right? Uh, but I think overall, it's not also just the tactic, right? Like I think a lot of times people just check off the list like, oh, we are doing SEO. And we oftentimes have conversations with people that they think technology is a strategy where they bought a HubSpot uh, or some sort of a software and then think that, oh, now that we have HubSpot, then we got that checked off and we're doing campaigns and whatnot, right? So, but it is definitely like what you just said, Taylor, uh, essentially understanding where we are as a company and where we're trying to go to. And then are all these things that we're planning to do is really going to make the needle move or are we just doing busy activities for the sake of doing a bunch of things because we we've seen that time and time again they're blogging and but they're blogging about all kinds of random topics and it clearly doesn't do anything to the organization then the leadership complains why are we wasting time on blogging and then you write off blogging as an overarching strategy is not going to work all right like those sort of things cannot happen you really need to be extremely uh, you know careful about the actual efforts that you are putting into it and is it really uh, the right sort of a messaging or the channel or even the um, the the tactic right like a lot of times I think even the channel could be a big uh, issue as well a lot of times people say oh social media doesn't work for us and then they write off social media as a strategy and then call it a mm -hmm. uh, call it a day but essentially you need to know uh, you know are my audience on that platform and is this the right medium for me to reach them if not uh, just don't say social media is the reason you know is is not going to work for us um, and we've seen time and time again, especially on those um, legacy industries that are industrial and manufacturing companies oftentimes write off digital marketing as a whole a whole thing as well, our customers and our engineers are not online, so they're not going to go buy it. Uh, but part of the reason being, like you said, uh, Taylor, they never had any historical performance. Um, hist there's no historical um, uh, ways to prove that they had any success because they've never done anything. So they're just going to say, hey, this, this digital marketing medium doesn't work for us. So that's also another mistake that we've seen when it comes to strategy. And they're still, you know, kind of 
holding on to some of the traditional mediums or approaches uh, for their overall uh, marketing strategy. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you mentioned a couple of great points there. Writing off uh, entire you know strategies or channels, um, you know, for lack of success. And I think that comes back to the importance of developing that strategy and again being scientific with that approach. Uh, you should be confident in the strategy of a couple of things. One is you should really know who your customers are, right? So if you know who your customers are and you understand how they make buying decisions, how they learn about your product or solution, right? Are they problem aware or are they solution aware, right? Uh, the maturity of your market, um, meaning, you know, is this is this a new product category or is this, you know, are, is this a disruption to, a, you know, existing category or a change of the way that, you know, people are processing uh, you know, completing certain processes or technologies that they're using, or is this a, a you know, I don't want to say commoditized, but is this a commoditized uh, uh, market where people know exactly what it is? Uh, they they change vendors or solution providers frequently, and they may go online and search, right? Because ultimately, that's going to come down to our strategy around: uh, are we creating awareness and demand, generating demand? Are we capturing existing demand? Where are we, you know, pushing and pulling, so to speak, and where are we spending our efforts? So the reason I say that is because then you get down to that piece of individual channels, right? And we say, okay, we know our audience is on LinkedIn and we know this is the type of um, information we're trying to get in front of them. Then ultimately that's where the testing begins, right? So we're testing organic versus paid. We're testing different strategies within each of those. So if we're looking at paid, obviously the creatives, the targeting, the bids, uh, the landing page, the offer, um, the the messaging, you know, we might believe that a certain messaging resonates with our audience, or we might believe that a customer chooses to work with us because of, you know, A, B, or C, but it's really, you know, something completely different. Uh, so all of those need to be tested. We can't say, hey, we're going to spend X number of dollars on LinkedIn or Facebook, and then it, we didn't, it didn't work, right? So to speak, what does work mean? Uh, that's another piece, which we'll talk about in terms of reporting. Um, but then write that entire channel off, right? What are the variables um, that are necessary to really fine tune in order to see success? Comes down to organic as well. I mean, individual. We've talked about this in the past. Like individual activities, one LinkedIn post is not going to change the trajectory of your organization, right? But it is the consistency of of that discipline to continue to to post and engage and interact with customers that may have an impact, right? So <clears throat> it comes back to having the right strategy, understanding those variables, and then being agile within that framework, right? Don't be married to one strategy. Like we're not saying, hey, don't write off a channel, but make sure you if you're if you're willing to invest in a particular channel and you feel confident enough to invest budget, time, effort, whatever that may be then make sure you exhaust and look at every angle and then be quick to make that decision that, hey, we need to change. Or if we're seeing more success in one channel, right? We're saying, hey, we have four or five different strategies that we believe can and will be successful, but one of them is 10 times more successful right now, then sure, be agile and shift into that market and lean into that and double down in that if that makes sense for you. But it comes back to having a framework, having a strategy in place, having some things that we can measure against um, and then continuously improving that right continuously revisiting that strategy making sure that it's the right strategy so we've seen both of those in terms of 
you know, failures, right? Of it's like we have this great strategy and then it's going to be set in stone and, and we're going to just do this for the next five years. We hear sometimes you know, we talk about best in class companies, but worst in class companies, we, we see that a lot. And it's like, you know, hey, this we're going to explore this channel in 2024, 2025, right? <laughs> or we're going to redo the website in 2027. It's like some of those such long term strategies so far out that um, it's not even worth talking about because of the, the rate that things change so quickly when it comes to marketing. So I think best in class companies know what they're trying to do and they have their best, um, you know, their best documented strategy in place in order to get where they want to go. But they're constantly revisiting that and trying to improve it. Yeah. And I think in our episode one, we talked a little bit about the mindset again, about some of these areas uh, that the willingness to willingness to test things and uh, willingness to also pivot as things happens. Right. Uh, but not to always use the the fitness analogy, but I do think that if you're in fitness, you don't just do cardio and you just don't keep running and running and running and just try to get in shape, right? Like there's a lot of variables uh, in getting in shape, right? So you have to lift weight and you have to have, you know, eating right and exercising and do do all those things. And you cannot just write off cardio or you cannot just say, just do cardio. Um, I think that is just one Good principle to keep in mind across uh, any sort of marketing initiatives. Uh, and also just keep in mind, like sometimes, you know, uh, I, I know science always changes as well. Like science come and say, oh, now you can drink sugar, you know, eat sugar and still, like, you know, stay in shape and whatnot. I mean, there's so many changes happen. Like even just recently, I heard that Facebook actually has becoming more profitable for some ad- advertisers because they've actually started uh, started to make change them, changes in their algorithms. So people are able to reach people on Facebook. So I know there was a little time before everybody said, oh, Facebook is, you know, Facebook is done. You can't get back to Facebook anymore. Uh, there's no uh, reason for spending money on Facebook ads. Uh, but I think there's always going to be shifts that, that are happening that uh, forces platforms to change their algorithm, their overall uh, targeting criteria, uh, and then they might give you more leeway to um, advertise or market on those platforms. So uh, even if you had uh, not succeeded on a certain platform in the past, there might be opportunity for you to go back and do some other experiments. And oftentimes, you know, we often tell our customers too, like your, your messaging, your offer, your targeting, your, uh, your uh, creative, all of those are also part of the equation too. So it's not just the platform was bad, but there's a lot of other variables uh, that you need to keep in mind as well. All right. So we talked about, you know, what it takes for best-in-class companies in terms of the team structure, having the right team, uh, and then developing and executing that strategy. Next week, we'll talk about what best-in-class companies are doing in relation to their reporting, their technology stack, what tech stack they're using, how that tech stack is enabling their marketing team and their sales department to succeed. Uh, we'll talk about horror stories of, of good versus you know bad companies. And then we'll get into driving results and what it means to drive results as a best-in-class organization uh, and some key insights and secrets that we see from best-in-class companies every day on how they're driving results for their organization. So thanks for joining us. Please tune in next week. If you like, uh, please give us a like and subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. Share it with a friend or a colleague. Uh, And thanks again. Growth Marketers is brought to you by One IMS helping you reach new heights through integrated marketing. One world, one web, one IMS.